Hey, everybody. Welcome back. We're going to wrap up our three-part mini-series today by highlighting the place where not much happens, but you better be here when it does, Cold Beer, New Mexico. Cold Beer, also known as Colfax Tavern and Diner, is a community hub where Philmont staff and participants find camaraderie and conversation among the hills we call home. In 2016, Shelley and Danny Cortieri became the fourth owners of the infamous Cold Beer. Shelley discusses familial ties to northern New Mexico, the story of how Colfax Tavern got named Cold Beer, and her love and respect for all the Philmont kids that have become like family to her. Cold Beer offers more than spirits and libations. They also host a variety of events, including their annual honky-tonk hodgepodge, cornhole tournaments, and more. Today, Shelly and Danny live at their Vermejo River Ranch in Maxwell, New Mexico, where in 2008 they founded Writing on Faith, a Christian-based bull riding camp. They are grateful and humbled to be, quote, parents away from home to the many seasonal staff members who frequent their beloved bar. Cold Beer, New Mexico. It's in the middle of nowhere, but has people from everywhere. Okay, we're rolling. All right, so I am here today with Miss Shelley Cortieri. You said it right. I got it. Okay, thank you. So, like Court Jar Erie Canal, Cortieri. Oh, I like. <laughs> That's how I figured it out. Yeah. Okay, Cortieri, and she and her husband Danny are the current owners of the beloved Colfax Tavern and Diner, also known as Cold Beer. So, thank you so much, Shelley, for being here today. Thanks for having me, Kaylin. I am excited to talk to you about your story, uh, your relationship with the community, with Philmont, and just also to celebrate all that Cold Beer does and, and brings to that community. So I'd love to start with your story, where you're from, and how you ended up in New Mexico. Okay. Well, uh, like you said, me and Danny do own Cold Beer New Mexico, and uh, Danny is from Maxwell, New Mexico, which is just 12 miles from Cold Beer. And I am originally from Texas, met Danny, and we got married, and we have been married for uh, 30 years. Congratulations. That's awesome. So Danny being from Maxwell, New Mexico, um, we started coming to Maxwell um, for holidays, and we always drove from Maxwell to Cold Beer. Uh, The current owner then was Roger, Roger Smith. And uh, we've had a lot of fun out there. It used to be literally a dirt road. A lot of the young kids that come now only know 505 as a paved road. However, it didn't always be paved. So we would drive dirt road to Cold Beer, New Mexico for during holidays to, to have a cold beer and a pizza. I love that. That's a great story. Um, I think many of the listeners will be familiar with Roger. That's who I remember uh, always seeing behind the bar down there at Cold Beer. So um, do you know, just real quick offhand, how long he owned the tavern? 22 years. 22. Okay. And was there someone before that or was he the original? Actually, I believe he was the third owner. There was two owners previous to him. 
okay. so uh, that I believe that's what he told me. And then uh, I'm the so then now I'm the fourth owner, and I believe he was the third, and he had it for 22 years. Fantastic. I love that history. Um, So back in your day, it was a dirt road. You went there for holidays. What did it look like back then? Was it just uh, the building Uh, that is today? (laughs) Barely. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it kind of looks the same outside. So behind the, the facade in the front, me and Danny have improved and grown the aspects of the uh, tavern. Now I'll tell you the story why it's called cold beer. Because when okay. Roger when Roger owned the place, uh, he bought it uh, from I believe Mr. Montoya, Charlie Montoya, I believe was his name. And it, Roger told me the story that when he bought it, people uh, he, when Roger used to go to it, uh, Charlie didn't trust people, so Mr. Montoya would load up his car or his truck and take all the alcohol and beer home with him. <laughs> <laughs> and then he would bring it back to the bar. And before it got cold or whatever, I mean, so when Roger bought it, he bought coolers and kept the beer cold. And so when people started walking in the door, Roger would go, hi, welcome. We've got cold beer. Okay. Okay. And then he put cold beer on the front of the building. And that does make people stop. That that Those two big words like that, they're huge. If you've never seen it, you can go to the Facebook page and see it. Those are the two words you see. So he would start saying we have cold beer. And so people would just say, hey, let's get a cold beer. And he'd just say, hey, cold beer. And then it just kind of narrowed down to welcome to cold beer. <laughs> it kind of went that way. So all the locals started naming it, let's go to cold beer. And then, um, yeah, it kind of went from there. And Roger passed on the baton to me and Danny in 2016. And that was five oh my years go- ago. Six yeah, years ago five- almost. Yeah. Six. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Time flies, especially, you know, the pandemic kind of messes up time for me. I love that. Thank you for sharing the story of cold beer. I especially love that the sign says cold beer, New Mexico, because I believe that the, the actual physical address is a Maxwell address. Um, well, it was Cimarron for a long time because Roger okay. lived in Cimarron. Because we can't get mail delivered where the business is, it usually reverts to who the owner is or where they live. And since my box is in Maxwell, I can't even get mail where I live three miles down from Cold Beer. So I have to have a box in town and so did Roger. So it kind of, it was Cimarron, now it's Maxwell, but it's actually splits the both like for 12 miles. It literally split Cimarron and Maxwell 12 miles on either side. So it's kind of interesting, but yeah, it is Maxwell right now. Right now it's Maxwell. Okay. Yeah. That is interesting. That but makes sense. New Mexico is not a town because it cannot uh, hold a postal zip code, but it is a real place. <laughs> yeah, it is a real place. Absolutely. Like you said, you guys have been uh, running it there for, for going on six years. Yeah. Six years. And you guys have done some incredible improvements. The outdoor space is amazing. The, the space for live music. Um, it seems like it's really been a good fit for you all. Do you remember hoping to purchase it someday? Was that a dream of yours or how did that come into play? No, owning cold beer was never in my uh, plans at all uh, or my <laughs> husband's. Uh, uh, Danny's uh, history and family, the Quartieris have always owned bars. They owned one in Raton. They owned one in Maxwell, um, his grandparents and their cousins. And so being Italian immigrants, they like to drink and have a good time and play games. And it's just a part of it, the history around here. So owning it, 
it doesn't surprise any of the family or Danny. Um, so when we first moved to Maxwell um, 14 years ago, we still frequented Rogers. I'd go through my checkbook and I'd go, boy, I wrote a lot of checks at cold beer <laughs> because <laughs> ranching and stuff out here in the middle of nowhere, you forget, Oh, I forgot to cook supper. I forgot to take something out. What do you do? So, well, you go to cold beer. And so I used to call him chef Roger because <laughs> he would <laughs> pull me out of some vines when it's eight o'clock and we're like, what are we going to have for supper? So I'd call him and order a pizza. And yeah. So it was kind of yeah. interesting that way. Yeah, owning a bar was not in my my book because 14 years ago when I moved to Maxwell, I had been sober four years. I see. So as a recovering yeah. alcoholic, owning a bar is quite uh, quite entertaining for some people. But I tell you that not drinking and owning a bar is the best solution. Yeah. If we if I'm I like- still drink, it would be a very bad idea. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Um, Well, good for you. And I'm glad that, I mean, obviously it's been a success for for the establishment, for the community. And I'm really glad to hear that it is also a success for you and your family. Now, neither you nor Danny have actually ever worked at Philmont Scout Ranch. But like you said, Danny and his family are from from Maxwell, New Mexico. You guys now live there. So you're just a really big part of the community and the history. And that's why I wanted to bring you on the show today. 1929 is when Colfax Pavilion actually began in 1929. There was a little town, uh, Colfax, right there on the railroad track, just a mile down the road. There's the historic town of Dawson, uh, which mm-hmm. my mother-in-law was actually born in. So, Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So we, we do have a lot of history here. And when we would come for the holidays, you always go for a ride. And my husband, Danny, always took me to Philmont. We drive through Philmont, look at the deer and the turkey, and just it was such a beautiful place to to see and visit. You'd take the whole trek around from Maxwell through Philmont around Miami and then back around, you know. So it, mm-hmm. it is a people still do that today, <laughs> actually. Yeah. I can I touch on this a little bit more? So who is it that is from Dawson? My mother in law was born in Dawson. Okay, so that's Danny's mother. Mom. Yep. Yeah, and what was and what's her name? Dorothy. She was a Pompeo and a Cortieri. Okay. She married a Cortieri. So the Pompeos and Cortieris, and there's been Pompeos uh, in Cimarron forever. And uh, in fact, Maya was uh, Danny's grandma's sister, and she cooked at Philmont for thirty something years. Yeah. Wow. Oh yeah. Wow. Aunt and Maya. She, was she Aunt Maya, and was she from Dawson or Maxwell? She lived in Cimarron. Her and her sisters, I think, moved here and their parents worked in the coal mines, the coal mines. So so Virgie, um, yeah, and Maya, they they grew up in this area, in the coal mines, and married Italian brothers. Here's the thing. (laughs) I know, it's so crazy. The the sisters married uh, the same brothers, like not, not their brothers, but the family brothers married another family's sisters. So like they were all like double cousins once they started having kids. It's not, it yeah, just sounds not weird, but it's not. Yeah. <laughs> the Pompeo brothers married the Archangeli sisters or Valpondo sisters. There's so many of those okay. Italians that are intertwined. It's hard to keep track of. No, that's very cool. Thank you for sharing that. I, I really love to hear that history. It's just such an incredible place that um, we all get to be a part of. So let me back up a tiny bit. When did you first 
come to New Mexico since you're from Texas? Uh, they believe about 1989. I uh, I moved here with a boyfriend who worked at the racetrack when horse racing was still live in New Mexico pretty prominently. And uh, his dad lived in Farmington and trained racehorses. So I originally moved to Farmington, New Mexico, and then moved to just traveled with the racetrack mm-hmm. and uh, met Danny in Santa Fe at the racetrack. He came out to visit that day and uh, yeah, I, don't know. I just met him and we kind of got good friends and started dating. And Danny was union plumber pot fitter by trade from Los Alamos, New Mexico. Uh, he helped build most of the government facility up there. In fact, we had a business up there until 2016 when we bought the bar. We closed that one, bought the bar there. And um, both of our kids uh, graduated from Los Alamos High School, our boys. And uh, we moved to the ranch 14 years ago and became ranchers and bucking bull owners. We hauled bucking bulls all over the country for the PBR and uh, did that. We've sold all the rough stock for rodeo. We, I think we have one bull left and we have some dairy cows now, but ranching plumber pot fitter by trade and uh, now bar owners, bartender. Danny goes, I am not a plumber no more. I'm a bartender. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and now you get to spend most of your time um, where quote, not much happens, but you better be there when it does uh, at cold beer, New Mexico. Talk to me a little bit more about Philmont. You used to take those rides with Danny at Philmont. Uh, what is it like now to be so closely intertwined with the Philmont community, the Cimarron community? I didn't really understand it when I when I took the bar over from Roger and I, I trained with him for a few days. He told me how to make his infamous pizzas and burgers, and I he he just kept mentioning Philmont and and just it just his concern. I I look back now and I can remember his concern and, and Danny was concerned as well uh, because we were older people. uh, These younger generations coming in, we weren't sure how that was going to interact. And that was where Danny's concern was. But then Roger's concern about us taking care of them. And I just, I just didn't understand uh, six years in, I can tell you, it didn't take me and Danny very long to fall in love with all of our kids that come in from Philmont. The relationships as an outsider looking in, I didn't know anything about Philmont. And I've learned a lot. I've gained respect for them. And all the Philmont staff, seasonal or full-time, has literally became extended family for me and Danny. Just like you, you know, coming from Texas, uh, many of the Philmont staffers obviously are not from New Mexico, but it, it really gets into their blood and becomes like a second home to them as well. I know that's how I feel. Do you have any fun stories from Philmont staffers, whether they're full-time or seasonal? Oh, absolutely. I have a lot of them. Some they wouldn't want me to tell, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but it is great. So I know Pete Burgundy who you have interviewed, he yes. actually built our uh, new merchandise box when we were closed for COVID. It was it was quite uh, comforting to know that some film owners were still there, would stop by even though we weren't open to say hi. And um, um, he built our new merchandise box into the wall there um, where you order. And um, Mike Crockett 
is like a son mm-hmm. to us. We just love him to death. He's gone, he's gone on to bigger and better things. Miss um, Sarah Burgess has got me into trying to at least pay attention of sustainability um, uh-huh. and how much waste <laughs> we use. <laughs> it's quite hard uh, at times, but she gave me some very wise information one time she goes as a business owner don't try to do it all at once just do a little bit here and a little bit there just do one thing at a time get good at that and then move on to the next and uh, she is passionate about what she does and has kind of helped me see things our generation wasn't real green in that aspect but uh, learning uh, to meet all these kids and uh, and Miss Layla is a local now and yes. we just love her and Sean And, um, yeah, it was interesting to hear her story. So I do have a lot of stories. So we have an annual honky tonk hodgepodge, which has gotten very popular. Roger did the first one his last year, and then we took over and it's just been huge every year since. And had, we actually moved the date. So more of the Philmont staff could actually participate and come to it. it. It's 30 plus bands. It's free. You can camp. And, uh, one of our hodgepodge, um, drummers on in a band was was a young boy and he had a seizure and he fell and hit his head on the concrete and the reason this is important is because there was some rangers and Philmont uh first responders that were trained that were there and i can tell you knew how to use our blood kit knew how to take care of him and um got him to where he needed to be before the ambulance arrived. And it was so comforting to know the training that these kids go through, how focused and attention to detail that they had to take care of this young man and never had to met him before with all the people. We're talking hundreds of people were there. So and again, my respect for Philmont staff grew after that moment even more. So yeah, that, that's not a fun memory, but it is a good one uh, because yeah. it, it just goes to show the training and the care that these kids, because Philmont is instilled to them and their stories are all different and they're all from so many diverse places, uh, different states, different backgrounds. And um, it's, it's been pretty interesting and awesome to watch from an older person's uh, standpoint about lifestyles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm glad too, that they were there that, that night to help that Me individual. Too. And then I'm also glad to hear that the date was changed. So more people could participate. I would love to be a part of one of those someday. I'm sure that is a ton of fun for everyone involved. So we have a young man from uh, Wisconsin that was here for a while and uh, we got to know him and Mitch is his name. And uh, his dad, most of these kids, it's so cool that when their parents come to visit, they bring them to Colbert to enter, to meet Danny and Shelly. We're like their parents away from home. It's been really (laughs) exciting to watch. And so Mitch's parents come and his dad goes, I'm going to send you some cheese. It squeaks in your mouth. And I was like, I don't know what that means. I do not know (laughs) what that means, but um, whatever. I blew it off. I get cheese, Wisconsin cheese in the mail. And it does when you put it in your mouth, it squeaks on your teeth. 
I am not kidding you. I am 50 something years old and did not know that was a thing, but I loved it. Sent them a card back, told them, thank you. They come back in and Mitch said, I'm going to fry up some cheese curds here at cold beer. And he made the batter. He brought the stuff from home. He made the batter, fried up some cheese. And we had real Wisconsin cheese curds at cold beer. It was pretty interesting. Just one little thing that has happened to us. and all the kids that travel from all over. It's been really awesome to experience. I agree. I think awesome is a great word for what you guys do there at Cold Beer and what other people experience. I mean, it literally is in the middle of nowhere, but it has people from everywhere come to it and and bring all their influences and their culture. And I love the squeaky cheese story. That's beautiful. Wait, what did you just say? You said it's a place in the middle of nowhere, but has people from everywhere. Yes. Is that a new slogan, Miss Caitlin? I think so. I think you should use that. It is is just an incredible place. And like you said, the famous green chili burgers and the pizzas and um, the live music, the billiards. And you guys also do. Tell me more about events you host. We've started a lot of music. We do. Um, we used to do Jeopardies, and mm-hmm. the Philmont staff. Roger used to do a Jeopardy, and you used trivia questions. We had the board. There are some um, historic Jeopardy Philmont winners. There's no doubt they actually <laughs> win the money, and uh, we'd answer questions. We'd have a Jeopardy. Uh, we'd all dress up. We would theme it '70s, '80s, or or whatever, and a. Uh, it was very popular. It was just something for the kids to do to come out while we were building business and stuff. And we got to know a lot of them a lot better. We did family feud a couple of winters. Those are usually good winter indoor activities, but we've gotten so busy. We just really can't do it anymore. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. it's a good thing. It's a bittersweet, you know, we've just outgrown some of our activities that we did. Uh, we have cornhole tournaments now. We had 34 teams sign up last summer. Wow. I know. And we are in the middle of nowhere. I, I, it was, I was like shocked, blown away, but the music events are always fun. Um, you know, the one thing about Philmont staff that, that I can definitely say also is during these events, they come and they always have designated drivers. We always take care of kids. Um, you know, we, we've allowed them to have their own little birthday parties and stuff down here just uh, on our ranch. Because when the forests were closed during um, the fires or during the fire, during COVID, our forests actually closed. We couldn't even go. They would come down to the ranch and have their own little bonfire and cook out and hang out and and uh, for special occasions. And so it's we've, we've really gotten to be very close to some of them. And it's been very hard to let some of them go. There has been yeah. a few tears shed, but thank God for Instagram and, you know, <laughs> right. Text message right. and we can always reach out to each other and just say, Hey, you know, so yeah, stay, stay connected. And that's incredibly generous. I love that you guys invited them out to, to your ranch and um, kind of got through those hard times together as best. The you fire could. was very difficult for uh, the whole community. I remember it was nine o'clock in the morning when the fire went off and uh, they were evacuating Cimarron and, We've been through a fire before. The Los Alamos fire in 2001 was pretty devastating. 
for the community and we were familiar with it. And we got, we better go open up the door. People are going to be leaving town and they're not going to know where they're going to be going. So we went down to Copier, opened up the door at 9 a.m. And our parking lot was full of people just sitting there going, what are we going to do? Where are we going to go? It was very emotional, <laughs> very emotional. And when all the kids yeah. had to go stay in Springer at the rodeo grounds and tent and yeah, it's a, oh, as soon as they were able to leave the rodeo grounds, they filled our place. I guarantee it. It was yeah. good, good to cut loose, let loose, know everything's going to be okay. And there yeah. was still hope. Yeah. It's important in times like those and just in everyday life to have a place where you can gather and wind down and be with people that you know and meet people that you didn't know. And and uh, you guys are doing that at Colbert. You are that place for so many important things to happen and also just just the the exhale of life to happen where you can just be present. So I'm just so glad it's there and going strong. You guys also do, I know you do like a, I'm pretty sure you have brunch every Sunday. You've had branding parties where you brand, I believe it was the ceiling. Yeah. Yeah. We load, uh, it cost $25. They were, we're going to brand the ceiling this, this month during COVID we remodeled uh, the front area. And so we, now we have a ceiling, the wall is there. It's finished. It's done. And, uh, they they donate $25 and we donate it to a local charity and they can put their brand on the ceiling. And so that's coming up. And the local um, Miss Gay Ann from Cimarron West, whose husband builds all of the tooled um, Philmont belts that you see. All the okay. tooled Philmont Casey and uh, his wife is going to sing uh, during the branding and, uh, God, we do so many things. It's hard to keep track of, but we have become a community hub and uh, it's been fun. What is your uh, personal favorite event that you guys do? Honky Tonk Hodgepodge. All right. Yeah. (laughs) That'd be my vote too. The music is so diverse from anything from screaming, rock, grunge, (laughs) um, Mexican punk rock. I mean, is that a thing? No, but I have heard it. On the stage <laughs> at Copier, punk rock in Spanish. It, it was a real thing. And I was just like, what am I hearing? Uh, Singer, songwriter, folk. Uh, we have this band called Balonium that has been a hit. I think a few of my indoor ceiling lights were broke during their sets. Uh, the jumping up and down and the, um, <laughs> it, oh, it's so entertaining. I've, it's, it is, it's very entertaining. We actually had the Phil uh, Mike campfire group. Uh, oh, the, nice. Yeah. Out one year as uh, they were during break or it was either right before the the um, scatter or right. right after they all came back in. I cannot remember. Okay. I think it was the end of the summer. So I think it was when they all came back in. We were not prepared. I'm not kidding you. We were not prepared. <laughs> we still talk about the campfire. We call it the campfire uh, party. Uh, there was so many people here. We did hot dogs. We did not have enough food. <laughs> and we were like, what happened? We were like, what happened? What, where did all so these people we, come from? Um, was it like every backcountry camp that had like a show did their show? No. That they had been doing all year? They got together. 
Oh. And advertised it. And so when everybody came in, they all came to Colbert that night. We didn't know. <laughs> we were not prepared. We didn't even have our POS system then. It was one of those historic moments where we thought, okay, this could happen. So let's just be prepared next time because <laughs> we don't want another campfire night. That's what we always <laughs> call it, the campfire night. <laughs> <laughs> because they bombarded us. We did free hot dogs. We always do stuff like that because we know now what Philmont means, what they do. They are there, like Layla said, because they want to be there. It's not for the money. It's not for anything else other than they want to be there. They work so hard. And the conservation department has been the closest to us, I believe. They were the first ones. They've always gone they're devoted patrons and they have now, now we're getting rangers. Now we're getting troops in the, the troop um, leaders are familiar mm-hmm. and they know we're family friendly now when before we weren't. So mm-hmm. it, it's really just grown to a, a place of, of awesomeness. I just, I can't think of any other word than that. Um, where they always come, but the conservation, there's a cons cap hanging on my pole in the middle of the branding room. Uh, and it will always remain there. And if it ever goes missing, trust me, somebody will notice, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, um, it's pretty eventful. We've always, uh, we also, you know, we feed them right before they go home for winter break, uh, right before they leave, like the end of November, right before Thanksgiving, we always, uh, feed Turkey, Turkey dinner. So, nice. yeah, but on the free hot dog night, we did not expect 200 people. We expected 75 maybe. And it yes. was, yeah, so so the campfire night was a learning experience for us, but it was so awesome. In fact, we still keep in touch with the, the kids that led the music. And, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's so fun. But the conservation department is near and dear to our heart and uh, has helped yeah. build a little bit of cold beer. I'm not going to lie. The beer garden uh, is yeah. the cons garden for sure. I love it. I love that. Do you recall what year the campfire party was? It must have been 2017. 17? Okay. So we just bought it in 2016. So it had okay. to be in 2017. Had to 2017. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Previously to owning cold beer, let me get this right. You were bull riding. What was the phrase you used? <laughs> we raised bucking bulls. You raised bucking bulls. So today, are you still involved at all with any of the bull riding community? Uh, yeah, absolutely. We have a lot of kids that uh, every uh, one week out of the year, we do a riding on faith bull riding camp. It includes bull riding, bronc riding, and bull fighting. And uh, we've done that since 2009. We had to skip a year, two years, one COVID and one we had to, we switched it to Oklahoma, but now we're back in New Mexico. I think next year is going to be a relaunch. Yeah. We have kids that are on TV that have been to our camp here at Maxwell and have been to the bar and signed autographs. And we are still involved. We don't race buck and bulls anymore through COVID uh, and focusing on cold beer. It was a decision we needed to make. Very neat. Riding on faith. And it's a camp, you said, once one one week a year? Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. We're looking at doing love- more things, though, throughout the year here on the ranch um, all year instead of just one week. Have you ever been on a bucking bull? I came close, but no. 
<laughs> no, no. My husband, Danny, used to ride. He retired, I believe, in uh, the early 90s. I want to say 90, okay. 91. Uh, then our youngest son rode professionally till he was 25 or 26. He's 33 now. So, okay. Yeah. But we have kids stop in all the time because we're like right on the interstate. So during the travels, they always pull in and stop. Yeah. Some of our locals have got yeah. to meet some pretty famous bull riders at cold beer. Yeah. How big is your ranch there in Maxwell? We, we only have 300 acres. So it's only kind of small. I say that because it sounds huge to me. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm jealous. <laughs> well, it is awesome to have 300 acres nowadays. It actually is. But I say little because you know who our neighbor is, is Ted Turner. And he has 640,000 yes. acres. <laughs> so it's like 300 acres is really small compared to that. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm I'm so glad you guys have those 300 acres and you share them with um with people. So that's beautiful. That's an that's an awesome thing. As I think awesome's the theme of this episode. Are there any are there any challenges that you really grew from in the last six years own, owning cold beer? Anything you want to talk about or people that really helped you along the way as you guys transitioned into that role? I can tell you right now, if it weren't for the Philmont Conservation Department, there would be a lot of things that did not get done because okay. uh, yep. me and Danny are only two people. Um, the workforce around here is very small to choose from. I, d I don't want to get anybody in trouble, but I want to know that we've able to hire. Uh, once their season was over, we could hire them. And there's been several conservation kids who have stayed around for two or three months and lived down here on the ranch and helped us build what we've needed to build at the bar even on weekends or days off, if they, if they're not, if they can't go hiking or mountain climbing, they, they would help us build the beer garden, um, put up poles. In fact, we had, um, one of our old Philmont kids, uh, I call him a kid. He's 40 now, but <laughs> Tim Doherty has been at Philmont forever. And, uh, through, through that relationship, we've met him and all last summer, he was our event coordinator. He was our maintenance, cleaning, stock, pizza maker, bar back, um, whatever he did it. Yeah. And, 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 and through some grant money through the, the COVID grants, we, we hired him for three or four months until he got hired on full time. He's at maintenance out Philmont and he loves it. He's so excited. That was, that's what he wanted to do, you know, and he's from South Texas. And uh, okay. so, yeah. so yeah, so uh, that has been um, really near and dear to my heart, the people I've met and how they are, and do step up um, and they do have our backs and we have theirs. I can tell you the biggest, the biggest, hugest thing for me was during COVID or post COVID when the younger generation would come in. And so as older business people, we had a different view of the situation than sure. a younger college student who got to work at Philmont in the summer and go back. I mean, it was, um, it was so different how we all felt and experienced it that I finally had made a decision that I want to have these conversations. So I understand. And if I don't understand, that's okay. I don't need them to understand my side. I didn't have to understand their side. 
But having the conversations, what I got out of it by being around the younger generation was, I I don't want to say like the <laughs> yeah. 70s movement, like it's all peace and love, right? I don't want to say that, but that was what I was getting. And I'm like, oh, but it's not all peace and love. But what I did understand coming out of all the conversations from kids all over the country was it doesn't matter if you don't agree or understand as long as you do it in love. And as a Christian, I understood that. I It had just was set aside with all the stuff going on in front of mm-hmm. you that mm-hmm. I was able to bring that love back into the middle and talk with the kids, whether we agreed or not, and hug it out when it was done. And it didn't matter what side we were on, but we were together and agreed yeah. that that we would love each other where we were. And it was so awesome to experience that and come through that, that I forgot everything else was happening in the world that yeah. was negative. Yeah. Good for you. Good for you to take that step to to have those vulnerable conversations in such an unprecedented time. So I'm really glad that that got to happen there at Cold Beer. I, I imagine that I know that very important conversations happen happen at that little spot in the middle of nowhere where, where there's a lot of people. Important. There people, are marriages so. because of that <laughs> spot. Really? We, last night we had our little Valentine's dinner music and um, Jack and Mira that met there. They come in for Valentine's Day and their anniversaries. Yeah. Oh I think one goodness. of the judges in Taos met there. Um, okay. And um, actually, we're, we have a wedding of a Philmont kid. His name is Ryan Bailey. He's from Arkansas. He's marrying Lindsay, who was a Ryan was a cook for us first. Then Lindsay was a cook. Um, Ryan um, worked at Philmont. And that's how we met him and hired him. And then um, Lindsay moved from Florida back here to her family, who her dad now works at Philmont. Oh, See, my gosh. Very, they're very good friends of ours. He's security. And okay. so I just got the wedding invitation. Ryan and Lindsay met at the bar at Cold Beer. And uh, she moved back to Florida. And Ryan's sitting there pouting in his beer going, I go, you miss you miss Lindsay. Huh? He goes, yeah. And I go, don't worry, she'll be back. And he looked at me. How do you know that? I go, I, I just know. And here they yeah. are. They're both living in Taos. They're getting married. And I got the wedding invitation. I'm so excited. It'd be cool. Someday you should keep a list of all the people who've met at Cold Beer and are now married. <laughs> oh, I don't know if we have enough paper for that. <laughs> Do you know, has, have there ever been weddings at Cold Beer? Actually, I've got two scheduled this year and I had one last year. It, it awesome. happens. Yeah. In fact, yeah. two Philmonters got married on the ranch. Oh, down my here. goodness. Yeah, they helped wow. us after their uh, winter season. They stayed in the camper, lived down here. They helped to build a berm. I'm like, what's that? And they go, we'll show you. And <laughs> my husband knew what it was, but they built a wonderful <laughs> berm so we don't lose the back, you know, mm-hmm. um, foundation behind the kitchen. And uh, did they actually helped build a whole branding room. They stained it and wooded it. And it was, nice. it was really interesting, but they got married. Their families from all over the country, California, Missouri came to the ranch and they got married here in the barn. The, the big old, it's, it's nicer than just the word barn, but yeah, <laughs> sure. we, even, we even catered it for them. And, and they came to help my, Michael Crockett move this summer. And I went and got to go visit with them and hang out. 
and Layla and Sean showed up and cooked supper and it was great. Yeah. It's they are extended family. They're in my house yes. every day, all you know, daily. And it's it's been an awesome experience having Philmont in my life. And um I hate to see the kids go, but I know there's some new ones coming in. And don't worry, they'll always be back. We us Philmont staff members, we we can't not come back. We always come back in some capacity. Um what is the name of your ranch? Vermejo River Ranch, because the Vermejo okay. River runs right through it. I love that. So as we wrap up here, I'd love to know what you are most excited for uh, for the future. I'm, I'm always excited about the new kids we get to meet. Like this summer, I know some are going to return, but the new ones coming in, I'm going to go, oh my gosh, you know, what's it going to be like? You know, because a lot of the new kids that come in don't, don't quite um, understand some. But Philmont gets them straightened out pretty quickly, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yep. Or we do, but or yep. or, it, or actually, they're very accountable to each other. The Philmont staff, and they do take very well, very good care of each other. But I think the biggest thing in my future, and and Cold Bear's future, and the community is the legacy, the future legacy of Philmont Scout Ranch. This this adventure camp here is is so loved, so renowned, and there, and and it's not done. There are still so many people who will experience it in the future, um, because of the situation that the ranch and the scouting uh, business in general is going through. That everybody's aware of is a is not as devastating to me. What I see, what I know, what I feel in my heart is. It's not going to be the end of it. It is going to make it greater. Coming through something like this on the other side and learning through it will only benefit its legacy. The future of this whole ranch and the scouting community here is going to be bigger and better than ever. It's not going anywhere. So I'm not concerned or even worried about it at all. I'm not. I really, truly believe it is an amazing place and will be for future generations to come. And cold beer will be a part of that uh, that bright future. Do you want to nominate any Philmont staff members to be on the podcast? Well, you know what I enjoyed most about Layla's interview was um, her and Sean meeting there. Mm-hmm. I would love you to uh, interview John and Julia Adams. Okay. Well, Shelly, I can't thank you enough for taking time today to share your history, your family's history of the the area of Maxwell, New Mexico, and to share your stories uh, about Cold Beer, about Philmont Scout Ranch. So just thank you for being on the show today. Well, thank you for having me. It's awesome to be a part of it. Mm-hmm.